Cheers, Chris. Um, yeah, hello, Uni Church again. Um, really cool to be sharing a defining moment with you guys. I can remember the series. Um, it just it just occurred to me as, as Chris was reading. This was really impactful for me when we did a similar thing about five years ago. Just hearing what was going on in people's lives, what had led them to that point. Um, so I really do hope that over January, as you're hearing more of the defining moments, um, it actually really does become something that impacts you or reminds you of God's work in your life through his word as well. And even if you're, you're not a Christian here, I do especially hope that uh, you actually see that God does work in people's lives. Uh, he's still working, he's still living and active, uh, he's still active in people's lives today. Um, one thing about this kind of defining moment for me that's worth saying, uh, it's, it's kind of hard for me to pick uh, a crisis. You know, I grew up um, kind of knowing Jesus and I never really ran into any hard, really hard things in my life. It's been pretty cushy, uh, you could say, to this point, uh, which is all good, right? That's not a, don't need to change that or anything, because um, she's nice. Uh, but I think it's been more that God's taken me on a bit of a trajectory. Uh, he's taken me on a, on a chapter of growth that you might, you might call it a, a defining movement instead of a defining moment. Now, I, think, I think it's kind of catchy, you know, but that might be you as well, and that's all good. But this passage for me uh, was definitely a central moment in what God has been doing in my life. Uh, so let's pray that God would keep working in all of our lives as, um, he's, as been, he's been working in mine. Father God, thank you for this incredible opportunity. Uh, Lord, I have this ministry uh, because of mercy, um, and therefore, Lord, it's what a treat to get to share what you've done in my life, how faithful you've been to me. And I pray that, um, Lord, as we hear your word, it would not leave me unchanged or any of us here unchanged, uh, but actually, Lord, continue to do that work that you faithfully do in us uh, to excite us about uh, your plan for this universe. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Uni Church. Well, I don't know if you guys have been up at your parents' place or the batch or whatever, but um, I've been uh, just involved in the latest summer building project up at my parents' place. Uh, it's on screen here. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, who st- people still love trampolines? I, I still, yeah, there's some trampoline lovers out here. Uh, the thing about this trampoline, though, it may not look that impressive to you, but take particular note of what's there. Uh, this little arrow should, yeah, that's right. That's a springless trampoline. Hmm. If you guys haven't encountered that, if it doesn't strike fear into you, uh, maybe because you're inexperienced, you know, you've never seen one before, and maybe just be because you're, you know, you're actually competent at putting them up, <laughs> but, but I was neither of those things, um, so I, oh man, this took some effort to get this up, because putting those rods in place, oh, it's a mission, it's like bending steel itself into place, if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so it took us um, five adults, it took three days, it took a five-year-old, it took some dogs, it took... Um, uh, actual blood and, and definitely sweat and, and even maybe some tears as well to get together. But at the end of it, my nephew was thrilled. He loved it. It was great, right? And my dad, he stood back with me and we kind of looked at the handiwork uh, together. And he was like, Nick, once you leave to Australia, that'll stand as a testament to your hard work for the next generation. <laughs> That's the legacy you're going to be leaving with those to come. And I thought... Is that the best that I've done? <laughs> like, like, it wasn't all that impressive, right? Um, and, and, and yeah, that actually flared up for me a question that I've been thinking about, I think, my whole life, ever since I was a kid, certainly. Um, and, and that is the question, how can I actually live a meaningful life? Uh, whether you're an ambitious person or not, as you come to 2024, full of resolutions, maybe you aren't, I still think all of us here, we want to be able to look back on our life, midway through at the end of the life, and think, actually, I'm going to be remembered for something. Right? People will 
carry that torch, whatever I really cared about, other people care about. So I ask you at this point, what is it that you want to leave as a legacy in your life? What is it that you hope to achieve? I think for many of us, we want to be about relationships, right? Because people matter. Other people matter. So, you know, we've just had Christmas. We get together with others. Um, We we love our families, um, you know, raise kids in the future. Uh, We kind of make good friends, right? We try and find true love. All these things matter because relationships matter. But I didn't find that super satisfying as a kid. Like, if you know me, I know I'm a bit bit weird. Like, I kind of did my own thing. Um, and I did love my friends and my family, totally, and I you know, had some church community as well. But I always thought that if in the end I died and they died, and everyone just died, kind of sad, uh, it actually would, wouldn't make any difference in the end, right? Our relationships would be forgotten, memories would be forgotten. Uh, so as a high school student, I started to think, actually, if people die and are forgotten, well then, maybe what we do, maybe what we leave behind isn't. Right? You can leave a legacy. You can, achievements can matter. And so I, I sort of looked up to guys like Elon Musk. You know, It was kind of not the weird stuff about him, because there's some weird stuff, but the cool stuff, right? The, he's taking people to Mars kind of stuff. I wanted to do something else that would actually advance kind of humanity in some sort of way. I remember listening to lots of like, YouTubers uh, who talked about um, meaningful things they've done with science. And one of them, I remember made a video called The Great Delusion, which he said, you know, the biggest mistake we make is to think people last forever. And once we kind of put that aside, uh, we can actually start trying to do meaningful things that will actually outlive us. And that sounded good to me until one point when I realized that that just ran into the same problem. Uh, Here's what one secular philosopher said about the idea of our achievements. He said, even if you produce a great work of literature, which continues to be read thousands of years from now. Eventually, the solar system will cool or the universe will wind down or collapse, and all trace of your efforts will vanish. It's a pretty miserable outlook, right? Like, it's it's a problem. If people die and are forgotten, then, well, they wouldn't matter. And if our achievements are going to be forgotten as well, then why do they matter either? That was the predicament that I felt in my life as I went to uni, but it's also where God spoke into my situation. Because I realized, what if people do last forever? Well, if they do, then not only do people matter, but they're actually the greatest achievement that I could ever be involved in, actually seeing people live forever. They would never be forgotten, right? If they live forever. And today's passage says, if that is actually true, well, then we should build people up for that. Prepare them for eternity. Prepare them for life forever. That's our first point. Why do we build people? Why do we build others? Because only people last forever. So Paul, he writes this letter to the Corinthian church, and he tells them squarely what they are. Verse 9. You are God's field, God's building. So, So it's true of us as well, both collectively and also just by ourselves. We are a field that God is kind of working in. We're a building that he's constructing, kind of like his ultimate summer project, something that he sees as meaningful. Uh, the achievement that God is preparing forever. How do I know that? Well, verse 16 makes it clearer. Uh, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? So Paul says a lot in just a little here. Uh, He's actually saying that the people, the Christians there that he's writing to, 
they are the ones who are temples of the Holy Spirit, the temples of the Spirit of life. See, Israel, they believed that God would one day uh, make a temple that would last forever, a place where he would live with people forever. And one of the big surprises as you kind of read the Bible is that Jesus says he's that temple. He's the one where God dwells. And he also says he's going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. He's talking about the resurrection, right? And when, when Jesus is raised back to life, he receives the Spirit. So he will live forever. And then he sends the Spirit out to, to Christians as little temples, little guarantees that we were going to have life forever as well because we have the Spirit. That means Christians, you know, Spirit, temple, we have life forever. And you might get that wrong at this point because it's not really a surprise that we're going to last forever because the Bible says everyone lasts forever. But the great news is that Christians can live forever. So last forever, live forever, what's the difference? I kind of thought about this. I think it's a little bit like the way you see the world as a kid versus the way you see it as an adult. Um, there's a picture on, on screen here. Uh, you know, we might kind of, you know, if you're flatting these days, you might see these things lying around, not being put in the bin as they ought to be. Uh, but for a kid, if they, if they saw that on the ground, oh, that's a weapon of mass destruction right there. You're going to wield that sword? Yeah. For, for the kids, it's like it's an opportunity, right? A, sec a second picture here as well. Uh, it's, a, it's just an ordinary box, right? But, you know, some of us here have watched Spongebob, right? We know what that, that's really about. Use a bit of imagination. That's a rocket ship. Watch out, Elon Musk. We're coming to Mars. We're going to beat you there, right? That, see, the, for kids, the world is alive. It's vibrant. It's new. It's fresh. It's exciting. It's full of vitality. As, you go to, as they go to the aquarium or the zoo uh, for the first time, it's, it's an incredible experience. But then we kind of become, you know, the cynical adults, you know, the uni students, maybe amongst us, feel that a little bit. Uh, and we start to just kind of go, oh, this isn't anything special. I think that's the difference between life forever, that quality, and just lasting forever. Even as a kid, though, maybe, maybe you're more of the um, philosophical type, but like me, and you used to stare down out, out the window as you went down the motorway, um, and, and look out and think to yourself about this problem. If, if heaven goes on forever, isn't it going to get boring? Anyone else think that at any point? Well, I certainly did. I, you know, I'd lived to the ripe old age of seven at that point, and I'd pondered life's big questions, as you do, and I thought, man, if heaven goes on forever, oh, it's going to get boring as hell. I probably didn't, I probably didn't use the word hell, but if I did, I, I, was, I was on the right track because I actually think boredom is more descriptive of hell than heaven. It's, it's more descriptive of lasting forever than also living forever. So every, every time that I had that, that worry again, oh, what about living forever? Is that boring? I just remember the best moments I've ever had in life. I think of like uh, every wedding that has a dance floor. That should be obligatory. And I just think that is where I'm most free from, from worry, from dread, anything. But it could be something different for you. That's fine too. Think of those moments and realize every moment in the life to come will eclipse that. That's life forever. That's what's on offer to Christians. How incredible, right? But also, how stark is the contrast? Because everyone's going to exist, last forever, but not everyone will live forever. C.S. Lewis, he grasped the stakes of that really well. 
He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. If people last forever, then the people that you and I interact with every single day, whether you call them a stranger or a a colleague or a friend, um, whether they're in the womb or whether they're uh, in a rest home, whether they're really using their life to the full, whether they're just throwing it away, every single one of those people is an immortal. Make no mistake. That's what we're dealing with. Everyone we know will last forever. And so people... They really matter. And because of Jesus' resurrection, some of us will also get to live forever. And that means seeing that happen, being involved in in that, I think it's the greatest achievement you could ever put your life to. What a legacy, right? And that's what I realized coming to uni. I want to be involved in that. I think Paul, he thinks the same thing. Look what he says to a group of Christians that he mentored. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul's saying that the picture of heaven, as we're delighting forever in God, we kind of, you know, we kind of look around and see some other people delighting in God as well, people that we've invested in, people that we've uh, built up, and we go, whoa, this is even better than before, as crazy as that sounds. That's life forever the people we invested in standing alongside us. I think it's also the reward that we hear of in 1 Corinthians. A couple of verses here. Paul talks about this reward that he'll get for labor or for building people up here in these verses, preparing them for eternity. That's what he's talking about here. He's inviting us to a great reward, but he's also, it's also a command for us all. It's not just for pastors, for church leaders. Ephesians 4 says, Actually, all of us have a responsibility to build ourselves up in love. Every one of us is a part of mentoring, uh, caring for people, uh, loving them, praying for them, uh, warning them, encouraging them, teaching them, building them up so that they can have life forever. I mean, once you get this, I, I don't think you can see people the same way again. We're so inclined to see flaws in other people. But uni church, start seeing the potential in others, right? As you go back to work t- tomorrow, or maybe you go to uni later, think of your, you know, the students you're alongside or the colleagues. See them as, share your life with them. Uh, you know, your clients or whoever those might be. Actually care about them because they matter more than promotions or getting the best job or uh, dollar signs or even your own comfort. People are worth more than that. At church, if there's someone you don't get along with, you know, if there's someone that you serve alongside, but they're a bit of a rough diamond, it could be me, you know, you can come chat. Uh, but if it is, uh, honestly, start seeing, start imagining what they're one day going to be. As a little temple, they're going to shine with Jesus' glory one day. Those are the people we're investing in. So then we should think intentionally, right? How can I build these people up for life forever? Here's my bold suggestion. And, you know, 2024, as I kind of tap out as well, it's, it's something that's really worked for me. Um, firstly, in my life as a uni student, people did this with me, and it, 
grew me heaps. Um, but also, it, I think it's one way where you can really trust that God is the one doing the building, not you. Right? Because it can be kind of scary to think, oh, you've got to be an expert, you've got to be brave. Actually, you know what the best way to build people up, or I think the best way, could be wrong, it's actually just to sit down with people one-on-one and read the Bible. Have you ever done that before? Has someone ever done that for you? Maybe not. But I think it's actually really simple if you've never experienced that. You, you pray, you ask someone else, you know, here at church perhaps, uh, you organize a time and place, and you, you meet up and you read something short. Right? The, the common mistake I see is people read, they, they commit to Jeremiah or something really, really long. Uh, read 3 John. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a winner. And if that works, it's a bit like a first date. You know? go, go back for more. Commit to something a bit longer. Uh, read the Bible with others and see God building people through you. You'll be amazed. If you don't think you have time, um, there's, a, there's a hack that uh, I, I heard of. Um, consider the fact that over the course of 2024, you're going to have 1,000 meals. Right? What if just one of those meals a week was spent reading the Bible with someone? Doesn't sound that bad all of a sudden, right? Like, that would be amazing. Uh, if you want tips on it, I've got a couple of things on screen. Uh, there's a book, a one-to-one Bible reading, really helpful that you can get. You can see a little bit more of how to do that. And also this app that I've been using lately uh, called The Word One-to-One. Uh, it's got, got the book of John and a series of studies, and you can go through it. Uh, with someone especially who's a newer Christian or even a non-Christian. Uh, and actually, uh, it's really helpful. Um, I think that's a really amazing experience, actually, getting to open the Bible and see God speaking to people who don't know him yet. If, if you're not a Christian actually here today, uh, I hope you feel welcome. I hope you realize that uh, if you've got a friend inviting you constantly to church, that sort of thing, right? Uh, it's actually because they care about you. I know that from experience. And, but they also care about you enough to want to show you that without Jesus, you can't have life forever. And the Bible says the alternative is not peaceful kind of nothingness. It's actually uh, lasting forever under God's judgment. It's a real claim to grapple with. And it's from the Bible. It's not from, from me. If you are a Christian, though, and people care about you too. Um, in fact, believing in Jesus, it means that someone else has intentionally invested in you to see you have life forever. So I want to add there, like, be grateful to God and be grateful to them. I think we're bad at this, but who are those people that have built up your faith? Think, think it over. It could be uh, pastors, it could be connect group leaders, uh, it could be just friends or your parents. When was the last time that you actually thanked them for that? For me, I... Uh, I thank them you know, this morning as well, but I thank them again. And I can't do too many thank yous, uh, otherwise it's, you know, I'm getting, officially getting married at that point. Um, but I want to thank Austin and Ming in particular. Um, they're here today. They've seen past my flaws in my life. They've opened the Bible with me. Uh, they've actually built me up for life forever. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful to them. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Uh, so thank you, brothers. Uh, and I want to encourage you. Start off 2024 by thanking those people in your life as well. You may not get to do it up front, but actually, you know, more treasure in heaven, right, if you do it privately. So it's a a good deal I'm giving you. Um, And also, don't you want in on that too? Not not really the thanks from other people, but just that thought that those people you've invested in, they could be standing alongside you because of what God did through you. That's the sort of thing that just blows my mind every time I think about it, right? Um, 
if only people last forever and only Christians live forever, be so grateful for those that have brought you here and then go and do likewise in other people's lives. Never get tired of that. That's brilliant. That's the message of the Bible. But it's, it's not quite the heart of this passage here and the heart of my defining moment with it as well. Instead, 1 Corinthians 3, it's, really, it's really a warning. It's a warning about how we build others. That's the second point today. We actually build for God's glory, not for ours. As in it's about him, it's not about us. Let's dive into Paul's picture, the picture of building this time, really deeply, starting at verse 10. We'll see what he means. But each one is to be careful how he builds on the foundation. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. So we take a role in building others on Jesus, on the gospel, as we've already seen there. But then Paul warns, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So there's a lot going on here, but Paul is essentially saying there's two ways that we can build people up. Now, on the last day, eventually that work is going to be tested. Uh, and it's a bit like you know, the three little pigs, if you remember that nursery rhyme, right? There's, you've either built with precious stones or bricks and you know, it survives, or you may have built with straw uh, and you know, sticks and the work is burnt up. So what's he getting at here, right? Like what's, what's the difference? What's the quality behind how we build people? I can't really give you a full picture. I'm not sure. But I can tell you the unforgettable moment that happened to me six years ago, one night. I'd been on a mission trip in Asia, uh, and I'd been, it'd been awesome. I'd been around at a university campus uh, telling people about Jesus, getting to share life with them, seeing other people built up. Like this was, I was living for it. It was so good. Uh, and I read this passage one night before bed, um, and it didn't, didn't really do much for me. I just kind of thought, oh, this is, this is nice, but not super relevant for me. Um, yeah, pr- pretty harmless. But then, at the crack of dawn, my eyes shot open. And vividly, I remember I, my heart was racing, my, my, kinda, my breath was quick, and I, I just had this question running over and over in my head, this accusation that knew where my heart was at before God and his word here. And the question was, if only God and I knew that I came on this mission trip, would I have ever come? For you, you might have your own version of that question. What is it that if only God and you could know about it, you'd give up? Or in other words, what do you do, how do you serve God, mainly just for the recognition? For me, I know at that point in my life, I'd been, I'd been loving the recognition that I was getting, right? Uh, I was reading the Bible with lots of guys. I was growing myself a lot. Uh, and I remember this mission trip opportunity. I think it was just the latest feather in my cap. I realized that at that point, I, I wasn't aiming to build on the foundation of Jesus. I was really trying to build on the foundation of me. And verse 15 says, that's the sort of work that will be burned up. The sort of work that leads to people who won't last forever or won't live forever. 
in my case, yeah, it was, it's pretty obvious what it was, right? It was pride. Um, but it wasn't obvious to me because pride is a sin that keeps telling you, oh, you have no sin. You know, you're doing this for the right reasons. Look at you. It tells you your motives are pure. But actually, instead of aiming to glorify Jesus, your goal becomes praise or it becomes power or it becomes um, doing better than the next guy, uh, especially that last one. C.S. Lewis, he, again, he really hits on the money, how I was feeling at that moment. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. I felt this as an apprentice still, even today, like constantly comparing myself against others, constantly envying success, and then feeling proud when other maybe apprentices kind of fail and I can feel a little bit better than them. It's not good. It's comparison. And when your ministry becomes all about it, it can so easily lead us to, to do what's even worse, which is to compromise on the gospel, what will actually build people up to live forever. And Paul says that you know, no one can lay any foundation but Jesus, right? But, but boy, people have tried. There's offering self-help, or offering kind of get, getting healthy, getting wealthy. Those things, are, if, if you preach that, if that's the way you go about your life, I can guarantee you there'll be more people soaking that in, more recognition. Or, for, or maybe a little closer to home, where we'd be tempted to kind of just make a comfortable version of Christianity, either to live ourselves or to kind of call others to. We don't straight up warn people about hell and about judgment. Um, we're happy to kind of let ourselves and others live as if kind of success and happiness will actually save us. But hear me, hear me clearly on this one. Whether you're a Christian or, with, or even if you're not, building others, absolutely the opportunity of a lifetime. And, and giving other people that purpose, calling them to that, that's great too. But it's not the gospel. The only reason that we're going to stand approved before God on that last day is if we were built on Jesus' work, the solid rock. His message, it looks weak, it looks foolish. It's about a man who's hung up to die so that if you know, we call him Lord, we can have life forever. To become a Christian today or to live like one, we need to acknowledge that we're even more helpless than he ever allowed himself to be on the cross. I think it's a, it's a utterly, beautifully, but challengingly uh, unempowering thing to think, right? And if instead you reject that, you reject Jesus, you decide, I'm going to rely on myself here, oh, you'll last forever, but it's in hell. And when you build other people like that, that work is going to be burnt up. That's the warning. But there is something to remember here. Because God is gracious, verse 15, you will escape, but only as through fire. You as a Christian, you'll still live forever, even if your work is burnt up. So don't build others like your life depends on it, but build as if theirs actually does. So remember then, it's not about you, it's about Jesus, right? In this passage, in fact, it, it says that we're nothing. Verse 5, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? What is Nick? What is Andrew? You could add, add the blank there. They're servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Friends, we don't want to forget where we stand here, right? Like, 
and, and God's equation and God's project that he's out there building for summer, um, we're, we're kind of like the kids helping out with that springless trampoline. Um, all, all the adult kids, I mean, you know, incompetent ones. Um, because we're actually we're not really of any use of ourselves. But God, he does decide to help us, you know, plant some seeds or um, to, to water some plants or, you know, put those rods into place for the tramp. But without God, we can't accomplish anything. Only God gives the growth. You don't want to be that kid that you might have known in high school, the one who boasts to, to everyone else, oh, yeah, you know, I got a job from my dad, right, you know? Or the kid who kind of wrestle, uh, or, you know, this wasn't me, but it actually was me, um, the, the five-year-old kid who boasts in the playground that they're the WrestleMania champ because consistently, somehow, they seem to be taking down their 15-year-old brother every time they wrestle him. How good is that, eh, right? You know, a talent, a prodigy. No, right, you know, my brother was letting me win, guys, right? And God lets us win as well. It's a killer for pride. We're actually nothing. And so we have reason to be so thankful that God uses us at all. If you recognize then that you're actually nothing in this. And so we build for God's glory, not for ours. Well, then we can actually become something. It's weird, nothing to something. Look at verse 10. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. So Paul says he's received grace, the gift of, of being saved and then built up himself, and then saving and building others on the foundation of Jesus. Right? It's all from God. That's, that's it, from, from God. But notice, he also doesn't downplay what he is. He says he's a skilled master builder. The word skilled, it's the word wise, actually. It, it's all about contrasting that foolishness of, of pride, of thinking it's about us. But also that idea of skilled, right? He's, he's proficient, he's purposeful, he's powerful in what he's doing. And what Paul then laid as a skilled builder, another, could be you, could be me, we come along to build on it. You know, we might start out as like the kids kind of fumbling around with the tools, not knowing what we're doing. But God, he intends for us to become his skilled apprentices. It even says co-workers in verse 9. That's a, it's a weird tension that we live in, right? Only God gives the growth. So actually we're nothing. But God, he commands us to water the plants with skill. So we're something. Even though we're nothing, God makes us something. And so we build. Only people last forever, so build them up for God's glory. That's our role. That's what our interns over summer, that's what our apprentices are doing. That's why I'm headed to college as well. That's why, you know, if you want to be trained, if you want to be part of, I think, the greatest achievement you could ever be involved in, um, write it down on your Connect card. There's so many opportunities at church, so many things you could be trained in. But whatever you do, keep growing in 2024. Always in your character, you know, fighting pride, but then in your skills as a builder as well, and teaching the Bible, uh, helping others to, to know Jesus, communicating the gospel, uh, loving and leading other people. Unichurch, our God is building people up for eternity, and we can join him in those eternal stakes. I, I think this is why we're here, still, to this day, and why Jesus hasn't come back yet. Actually, God is bringing people to himself, and I think this is the most incredible thing that you will ever, ever be part of. So keep that eternal perspective. Stay humble. Keep building. Don't settle for less. And let's ask God to do that through us this year and beyond.
Father God, thank you so much that you have rescued us from ultimately our sin, Lord, from ultimately uh, lasting forever. Uh, but because of Jesus, uh, we actually have that opportunity to live forever. And what an incredible blessing that is. Our lives are just grace upon grace, Lord. I know I've experienced that, to see that. We have this opportunity to come alongside you in what you're doing. So I pray that each person here, wherever they're at in their faith, Father, would see the need to put the, their trust in Jesus as a foundation, not in themselves. Uh, and Lord, that we would, as a church, be the sort of church that does build those things that will last on that final day, the people that will live forever alongside us. Help us hope and be excited for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.